Hopefully last week you caught Pastor Mike's first sermon in his new series titled, What is Love? I had a chance to study those sermons as I was writing the Bible studies to go with them. Let's just say Pastor Mike's sermons challenged me and convicted me and opened my eyes to God's amazing love for us. Pastor Mike's sermons and my correlating Bible studies are available as the featured resource this month at Time of Grace. You can get your copy when you make a financial gift to Time of Grace. Just visit timeofgrace.org. Hello and welcome to Little Things with Amber L.B. Swenson. We are continuing our theme of April showers, and today we're going to talk about manna, which was rained down from heaven, with the episode titled, Are You Content with Daily Bread? Hey guys, it's Amber, wife, mother, warrior, type A child of God. Here at Little Things, we examine everyday issues from a biblical perspective with one simple goal, to know and love God more. Thanks for joining me. In the Old Testament, just as a little refresher, God made the Israelites wander for 40 years for their lack of trust at the border of Canaan. God brought them to the border of Canaan. They sent 12 spies in. The spies came back and said, yeah, it is a fabulous land. It's unbelievable. There's so much great fruit, but the people are huge and there's no way we can do this. Ten of the spies convinced the Israelites that it was impossible, that it just wasn't going to happen. Two stood up and said, no, guys, God brought us here. If he brought us here, he's going to help us. He's going to give us the land. We just have to trust him. Well, the people did not listen to Joshua and Caleb, the two spies who trusted in God. Instead, they rebelled and they joined the ten and they said, we just want to go back to Egypt. What are we doing here? And so God said, fine, that's exactly what you'll do. You'll not only not go into the promised land, but for 40 years, you will wander in the wilderness. And so he sent them out there. Well, the people were going to need food to sustain them while they were there. So God gave them manna. It was a bread that came down from heaven. It was a grain of some sort. And when the people saw it, they said manna, which, which means what is it? And so that's what it was called from that day on. We have a little insight as to what this was when we read in Psalm 78, verses 23 to 25 say, Yet he gave a command to the skies above and opened the doors of the heavens. He rained down manna for the people to eat. He gave them the grain of heaven. Human beings ate the bread of angels. He sent them all the food they could eat. I went to the People's Bible commentary to sort of get some insight into this, and they said the bread, it was called the bread of heaven, in that the people didn't have to do anything to get this food. They didn't sow, they didn't reap, they didn't thresh, it was just there. It was there for them to enjoy without any effort on their part. Yes, they had to cook it, they had to prepare it, but other than that, it just was given given to them every day. But, you know, we're told they ate the bread of angels. I mean, just think about that for a minute. They ate the food that God's mighty messengers eat. That doesn't sound to me like something that's a subpar gift, like God giving his people leftovers. He gave them the bread of angels. I'm reminded of the passage from James that says, Every good and perfect gift is from above. The manna was meant 
to be an amazing gift of sustenance. It was meant to be a reminder that even in their rebellion, God was with this people. They didn't take it that way. They looked at it as just this total bummer that they had to eat this manna every single day. They hated it. They complained about it. I want you to look around. Do you notice any blessings? How much food do you have in your house? How often don't you open the fridge or the cupboard and say, huh, there's nothing to eat here. God, forgive us because we are so spoiled. How often don't we complain about every single thing? We complain about our houses when we clean them. Oh, this house is always dirty. I always have to pick up. I have so many shoes in the entry. Do you understand what you're doing when you're complaining? You're saying, God, you have blessed me with this house. Wow, I have enough money to buy more than one pair of shoes. And instead of thanking you nonstop for it, my heart goes immediately to complaining. My daughter recently went to a birthday party where uh, the whole family, multi-generations, lived in a trailer house, and she was absolutely astounded at what she saw, the living conditions of all these people living in this tiny area. And her comment when she returned home was, they were so happy, mom. It's like they didn't know that they didn't have a big house. Like they got along really well, and they just seemed to be thrilled that they had food and a place to live, and they didn't seem to notice. And I had to tell her the same thing was what I observed when I went to Vietnam way back in 1995, I guess I went. And I went as part of a college global studies program, and that was my observation when I went there. I couldn't believe the tiny houses. I couldn't believe how little the people had in their houses. They didn't have closets full of clothes and, you know, tons of food laying all over. They just had the bare minimum. But the observation that I had was that they were so happy. They were so contented. They didn't seem to know what they were missing. And when I came home, I was physically sick. When I walked into a shopping mall, I thought, we have got all of this. We've got racks and racks and racks of clothes. We've got more clothes in our closet and our drawers than we ever wear. And yet everybody seems to be angry and discontented and not happy most of the time. We take so much for granted. We have these big places to live, apartments with more than one room. We have heating and air conditioning. We have balconies or yards where we can play and relax. We have money in the bank. And what do we do? We complain. That seems to be our go-to. I remember several years ago now, I read the biography of George Mueller, and it absolutely changed my life. He started these orphanages in Bristol, England. Um, I think it was in the 18, end of the 1800s, early 1900s, maybe. 
But he operated totally on faith. I mean, he saw a need. He saw all these poor children living in the streets, not being cared for. And he said, God, I want to start these orphanages, but I don't have food. I don't have shelter for them. I don't have anybody to care for these kids. So, I mean, if you provide these things, then I'll be happy to open these orphanages. And he started with one house. He was able to rent it. He got the money to rent one house. He he got the, the women to take care of the children. And day by day, he needed food. And then he bought another house or he rented another house. And then it became three and four and five houses. And, and to read his autobiography was crazy because it was him taking notes of what he was doing and how he was doing it. And he was saying things like, there was a day when they had no food for the children, none whatsoever. The cupboards were bare. There was nothing to feed them. So he had the children go down for lunch and he prayed and he thanked the Lord for the food that they were about to eat. And then he waited. And soon there was a knock on the door and it was the baker. And he said, Mr. Mueller, I couldn't sleep last night. I just felt like I needed to make bread. And so I was up all night baking and here's bread for the children. And not long after that, the milk cart broke down right in front of the orphanage. And there were barrels of milk that would go to waste unless, of course, the orphanage could use the milk. God provided in sometimes amazing in miraculous ways. And I thought, whoa, can you imagine living like that? Not knowing where your next meal is going to come from. So if God has given you more than your daily bread, thank him, praise him, do not complain. And second, if God has given you more than what you need today, is there someone that you can bless? In the book of Esther, Esther is orphaned and she goes to live with her cousin Mordecai and eventually she's confiscated because the king has decided he wants all the young beautiful virgins of the land so he can try them out, figure out which one he wants as queen. Esther was chosen and Haman decides he wants to exterminate all the Jews. And so Mordecai sends a message to Esther and says, hey, you're really going to need to go to the king and talk to him about this because we are set to be exterminated. And she said, look, Mordecai, I mean, that sounds all great and everything, but it's against the law and he hasn't called for me for 30 days. So really, I can't help you. And the message that Mordecai sent back is, you were put here for purpose. Do not think that you can sit and live in this palace and that you'll be spared while the rest of us are exterminated. You were put in a position to help. If you're put in a position to help, help. If you've got money in the bank, it isn't just so you can remodel every three months or go on vacation or have money to eat out or buy your special coffees or, or you know, live it up. You are in a unique position to bless others. So often, and I think... I'm being just honest and upfront here. So often when God blesses us with more, whether it's opportunities to make more money 
or, you know, a gift that suddenly comes in, what do we decide to do? We go get a new car. And sometimes we need a new car. I've been in the position before where my car was on its last legs and I was so thankful for a blessing of money that came in so I could get a different car. So I'm not saying anything if that's the predicament you're in. I'm saying so often when God blesses us with more, when we get the raise at work or we have more hours or we start working a different job or, or whatever it is, when the money comes in, we start looking at what can we do? What, what more can we buy? What have we always wanted? Instead of, God, you have been abundantly good to me. How can I use this money to bless others? Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. I cannot think of a time when I've given money to a special ministry or um, to help somebody, and when later I've been paying bills and I missed that money. I cannot think of one single time that I thought, ooh, if only I had that money back. You know, almost without exception, when I write the check out or I put the money in the envelope, I don't miss that money at all. But I can think of many times when I've let opportunities go by and I haven't given to a certain ministry or I haven't blessed somebody that I really regret not helping later on. The times that I was sick and had to accept help from others or was blessed enough to accept help from others, I could not wait till I was better so that I could help somebody else. I want to be the one giving the ride or offering encouragement or bringing the meal. So why is it that so often we aren't content with daily bread? We want weekly bread. We want monthly bread. We want enough to store up and feel security in ourselves rather than looking to God for our security. Well, I think it comes back to our sinful nature. I mean, our sinful nature always wants more, and it always wants to depend on ourselves rather than really knowing that our security is from God. So what can we do about this? Well, first of all, I think we have to pray for contentment. That, that's a good place to start. As a family, we do this all the time. You know that your sinful nature always wants more. And when we pray for contentment, God helps us to see the blessings that he's already given us so that we aren't constantly wanting more. Whatever it is, there's always going to be a temptation to get, you know, a different pair of shoes and a different color or a different blazer, different, you know, couch or, or whatever it is. Everybody has their own thing. You know, some people don't care at all about clothes. Some people don't care at all about shoes, but they're the first to buy the new phone, the new, you know, wireless, whatever, the new TV gadget, whatever. And some people are into hobbies and they always want to get the latest, um, you know, golf clubs or, or what have you. I, I don't know what your thing is. You know what your thing is. I just know that this is a temptation that a lot of us deal with. So pray for contentment because God can help us all to overcome this. Second, practice gratitude. I know I've mentioned this before and maybe you're sick of me bringing this up, but I cannot tell you how much this changed my life. When I learned to be grateful, as in see the beauty in every day. So when I see the sunrises now and the sunsets, oh man, thank you, God, that is a gift. Recognize them. Thank God for them. 
Find something to be grateful for every single day. As you walk through your house, thank God for your clean water. Thank God for a bed to sleep in. Thank God for a TV set or a phone that works that you can, you know, stay connected to people. Thank God for every single thing in your life. And as you go about the business of thanking God, you will find more and more and more and more and more to be grateful for. And as we do that, we complain so much less. So as I thank God for those shoes in my entryway, I remember that God has given me children. And as I thank God for the children, I thank God for the traits that each of them have. So I could complain about them. But when I'm looking for reasons to be grateful, it changes my whole attitude. It changes the way I look at my children, at their shoes, at my house, at my relationships. It, chooses the, it changes the way I look at my neighbors. When I see my neighbors and I think, man, their children are, are gone from home. They don't live at home anymore. I wonder if they're lonely. What could I do? to make sure that they don't feel all alone. And number three is worship. Martin Luther put it this way. He said, come, let us sing a psalm and chase away the devil. And according to legend, he often said that when he had received bad news or when things just weren't working out, he would get you know, bad news or, or he would be spinning his wheels and he'd say to the people around him, let's just worship. Let's chase away the devil. And that's what it is. It, in the moment of worship, it changes our attitude and it changes our focus from earth to God. It reminds us of God's goodness, his love, his power. It's, you know, Just this wonderful way that can turn us from really falling into grumbling back to knowing God is in charge. Just today I was exercising and I was listening to a sermon from Alistair Begg and he um, had gone on this tangent and he was talking about being depressed or counseling someone who was depressed and he said, buy a hymn book. Buy a hymn book. Do you know how much comfort and solace there is in the hymns? He often, very often, is quoting hymns in his sermons. And he's so right. And so many of our hymns are from the Psalms, or they're based on a passage from the Bible. And so whether you listen to contemporary worship or you have a hymnal, same thought. Worship, because it will help you get out of your funk of complaining and grumbling and just seeing the world as a total downer and focus you instead on God. Holly Girth said, worship is an act of war against the enemy of our hearts. And I absolutely love that. Listen, we can 100% be content with daily bread. We just have to change our attitude. We have to look for reasons to be grateful And we need to remember to make worship a part of our every day. I do it. I so often when things start going completely wrong at my house or when I start just getting in the worst mood because everything's falling apart, I just, I figured just like Martin Luther, I need to get worship music on. Like I need a change in attitude right now. Hopefully that helps you too. 
This has been Little Things, because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things. Thanks for listening again this week. And don't forget, we're here for you. Check out the many resources we have to help you on your faith journey. Just go to timeofgrace.org to sign up for our daily email that will keep you in the loop with all that we have available.